0: Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist, and I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, of course, today we're going to be talking about the Orlando shooter uh, who was gay and at the very least um, struggling with his latent homosexuality, which wasn't always so latent, um, and that's why he targeted this club, Pulse, to attack. Now, you know, it wasn't just a gay hate crime, um, as some might like to claim. But um, he, was a, uh, he was an equal opportunity shooter. He was a terrorist. He, ha- he, hated, um, he hated non-believers in Islamic extremism. He hated Americans, and he hated gays because he hated himself. He was struggling with the homosexuality latent in himself, which then would pop out every once in a while and express itself. Although, so far, I'm waiting for someone to come forward, um, hopefully in telling the truth, not just someone who wants media attention, but someone to come forward and say that they in fact slept with Omar Mateen. That, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. So what we're talking about is the tragic uh, terrorist attack of June 12th of the Pulse gay nightclub in Orlando by Omar Martin, a 29-year-old American-born Muslim coming from Afghan parents. Um, 49 people were killed by him and then he was killed by the police. 53 were wounded. This was the deadliest shooting in U.S. history and the deadliest terrorist attack since 9-11. So I want to put Omar on my couch today and see all the signs that were missed um, by his, well, I was going to say by his family, but I'm not really so sure that they were missed by his family per se. I think especially his father knew exact, and his second wife, his current wife, the wife, he had at the time of the shooting, uh, did know more than they're telling. Um, so let's, let, let me go back to when I found out about it. I was in my car heading home. I heard about it on the radio. I felt angry about all the people who had been killed. I felt angry that there was yet another terrorist attack and one that was um, so devastating, you know, second only to 9-11. We we've been we Americans are in such a state of denial. Uh, although with each attack, I mean uh, after 9/11, um, Boston Marathon, um, the um, you know, and then of course I mean the San Bernardino attack recently, and now this one. I mean each of the, the only good thing about these attacks is that it is waking Americans up from their sleep from putting their head in the ground, which is important in order to be able to become more resilient to future terrorist attacks. So here I am uh, hearing about this, feeling angry, not only feeling angry about terrorists and terrorism and Islamic extremists and all of that, but feeling angry and unprotected by our government by President Obama, who has done more than any other president to make us vulnerable to terrorist attacks. And um, in fact, I call him a domestic terrorist himself, I think consciously or unconsciously, because of his own roots, um, Muslim roots, and, and, and being taught um, in um, the Middle East, You know, I I don't think that he has at least unconsciously given up all of those things that he was taught, the extremist views that he was taught, and angry um, particularly at the FBI. And this, I want to encourage all of you to insist that the FBI doesn't let people continue to slip through the cracks, people who then go on to commit terrorist attacks. So let's put good old Omar (laughs) Mateen, good old, um, on the couch. Um, He, um, starting with his, you know, whenever you put somebody on the couch, whenever I do as a psychiatrist, um, the first thing that you have to look at is their childhood and their parents and so on. What kind of influences they had um, and what kind of traumas they had when they were young. So, um, clearly uh, Omar's father is a piece of work. <laughs> uh, not only is he homophobic, but he is um, a supporter of the Taliban. And, um, in fact, his father is what explains the best um, what Omar was doing in that nightclub um, committing this terrorist attack. because. He was trying to prove to his father that he was a man, um, that he was not only, not only that he wasn't gay, but that he was um, even better than his father in terms of the extreme Islamic cause. Um, His father has a, uh, a YouTube channel, and, and, and was uh, was actually working with a um, a regular channel, in which he would support the Taliban and would pretend to be um, the Afghan president or a candidate for the Afghan presidency, and actually um, uh, talk as if he were already the president of Afghanistan. So. Um, <laughs> The, the psychological problems that Omar has had um, come from the psychological problems of his father. and In fact, his father was fired from this, uh, this internet channel, this YouTube kind of channel, um, and one has to wonder why and whether they recognized some uh, psychological issues that made him unfit to continue to be on the channel. So he was born um, in New York and um, he was moved with his family to Florida. He went to um, one high school and then for a year and then went into another high school after getting into a fight with a student. Um, at this school, one of his schoolmates said that he was bullied. Um, what's interesting is that three of his classmates told the media that Mateen cheered in support of the hijackers during the September 11th attacks. And then there's another report that on September 11th, his father would beat him, um, which is a little confusing, you know, if he was, uh, why that happened on that date, (laughs) unless, uh, well, I would love to know why that happened, and maybe it will come out in the investigation. Um, He was arrested when he was 14 after a fight in school. Uh, He experimented with marijuana. He then went to uh, a criminal justice training program, and um, he he received, um, he was graduated from Martin County Adult Vocational School in 2003, where he earned an Associate of Science degree in criminal justice uh, technology. I mean, imagine that. Uh, well, he earned that from Indian River State College in 2006, and he got a job as a prison guard, and then as a security guard, and so on. I mean, the irony of all of this is is frightening. You know that that it, that he somehow was able to pass the background checks for these kinds of jobs, and you know that, of course, points up such a failure in our system <laughs> um, and, and you know there have been a number of reports from neighbors and just various people that um team that Omar came in contact with um, during his life where some people would in fact know about these arrests and these you know questionable behavior and, and so on and other people would say that he was incredibly polite and obviously he was able to fool them through these background checks. Um, so getting back to his father, uh, who you know has pretended after the attack that he didn't know, he doesn't think his, his son was gay, that he didn't know his son was gay, he's not sure if he's gay, um, and he told the story about how his son got upset when he saw two men kissing fairly recently. Um, but, you know, what did he really not know that his son was gay? Did he really not know that his son um, had extremist uh, sympathies? Uh, you know, d- did he beat him because the son um, cheered for the S- September 11th uh, terrorists? Uh, that doesn't seem to make sense since his father seemed to have those kinds of sympathies himself. I think that his father sexually abused him. That's what I think. I think that he was sexual, that that Omar was sexually abused, if not by his father, then by some other man, Uh, perhaps by um, another, a friend of his father's or some, some man. Um, And at the very least, um, his father didn't protect him from this abuse, sexual abuse. If he, if in fact he didn't abuse him himself. Um, The, um, what what's, what's interesting, too, is that uh, we haven't heard much from Omar's mother. Uh, the only thing that came out very recently was that during the attack, during these early morning hours of uh, June 12th, um, you know, the attack occurred between 2 and 5 a.m. And during this time, uh, Omar's mother called... Omar's second wife to ask if she knew where Omar was, and at the time the wife said, in any case, that she didn't, and, and this was during the attack. So, um, did you know what did his mother know? Um, is she, and and will she come clean at some point later on? I mean, clearly she was is probably. Um, uh, you know, not going to do anything that her husband doesn't want her to do. But uh, all of this is left to be seen. Now let's talk about Omar's first wife. We're following, again, I have Omar on my couch. I'm following his life chronologically, trying to analyze him and and all of the warning signals um, that he gave off. Um, Now... He, in 2009, he married a woman, uh, Satora Yousafi, who um, he met through MySpace. He met online. He, he met his second wife online as well. But anyhow, he married this woman and who, came, who moved to Florida to be with him. And um, until she was rescued by her parents, who came to visit and soon realized how abusive Omar was so she she said during at the beginning of their marriage he was very sweet and fun loving and so on but um but after a while she realized that uh, there was something wrong with him um, she has described him as traumatized now which is another uh, reason why I believe that he was sexually abused as a child uh, she said he had a temper. He took steroids, which of course you know contributes to people having uncontrollable rage attacks. Uh, she describes him as insane, abusive, physically and emotionally abusive, um, mentally unbalanced. She also described him as bipolar, though um, it's not clear that he was ever diagnosed that by a psychiatrist or any other doctor. But um, she has wondered. While they were married, whether in fact he was gay. She said he would preen in front of the mirror. He had certain bodily movements that made her think of him as possibly gay. And most of all, the selfies that he took. Not just that he took selfies, but the way that he posed in the selfies. And uh, I know you were thinking this, I was thinking this. To tell, you the, to tell you the truth, the first picture that I saw of Omar at the very beginning of all of this. The first selfie that the media posted, um, the the first thought I had was that this man is gay. Now, that may be psychologically and politically incorrect, incorrect, not psychologically, but politically incorrect, um, because, you know... Theoretically, one isn't supposed to just tell how by how somebody looks, but at the same time, I know you were thinking it. I was thinking it, and in fact, as the news um, unfolded, it turned out that he was, um, is, uh, in other words, that he um, that he was struggling with this in himself. I mean, he isn't anymore, but until his death, he was struggling with that. Um, so then they got divorced after several months of marriage and her parents rescuing her and they came down to visit in Florida and they rescued her. And, and then Omar was free to marry his second wife, who is really a mystery and who still may be charged for, um, knowing that he was planning this attack and not doing anything to report it. Um, she, uh, Married him in 2011. They have a three-year-old son. Um, what's interesting about her that, uh, although she was born in America, her parents were Palestinian. So, you know, did she really not know that he was planning this, or did she condone this, or at least partially condone this? I mean, presumably she wouldn't have wanted her husband to die in the attack, or would she have to be a martyr? Um, she, in fact, uh, was, was, may well have been, I believe that she was, in fact, complicit in the attack. She has been reported to have visited certain places that he was uh, doing surveillance on, including the Pulse nightclub, um, she, uh, it's just like the San, San Bernardino couple. You know what is this? These people learn that um, couples who shoot together stay together. Um, it's it's really it's this this whole idea of uh, couples being involved in these attacks is is something that needs to be uh, studied more, investigated more, um, and and what especially because of the fact that in these in the wife's background, just like in the San Bernardino attack, um, there is something that at least unconsciously would have made them want to um, go along with this attack. It isn't that they were these innocent victims, you know. Oh, my God, my husband is, <laughs> is going to do a terrorist attack? He's an ex- Islamic extremist? Really? That's terrible. Um, no, that didn't happen. He um, also was beginning, if he he didn't actually abuse her, which of course would also explain why she would go along with his putting himself in danger. um, If he didn't abuse her literally uh, physically, then he did start uh, the cycle of abuse in that he isolated her from her family. He even, and from driving, he didn't want to let her drive. Just recently did he let her take the test to get her license. And he wouldn't allow her to visit her, her family, who were in California, even when her father was dying. She got together money and, and managed to um, see him before he died, but he, her husband wouldn't give her the money to go visit him. And these are the early stages of what an abusive spouse does. First, isolate the woman from her family and friends and so and work and so on, driving. So this is very typical. And um, some reports place her in a gun store with him. Um, So again, you know, could this have been prevented? Absolutely. Did these people know? I mean, the father, the first, the mother, the first wife, the second wife, absolutely. You know, and they had their reasons for not telling. But what about the FBI? They didn't have any reasons for not telling. They're supposed to be protecting us and that's you know so it's not only a matter of being angry at the shooter of course and being angry at terrorists being angry at extremists of course but also don't we need to be a little angry at the fbi and other agencies that are supposed to be protecting us our government the president yes we are and we need to change that um omar was a gay man trapped in a muslim family he was not able to tell his father that he was gay, um, you know, which is part of the problem. That if there wasn't so much uh, of a, you know, <laughs> if Muslims or at least extremist Muslims didn't throw gays off buildings or stone them, um, then maybe they they wouldn't have to hide their rage. They wouldn't have to hide. Um, who they really are and because that's what's part it's not just um islamic extremism and at least in omar's case um it's also the rage the self-hatred and the rage at having to hide who he is who his identity is not being able to be accepted by his family when he killed the gays at pulse he killed his own latent homosexuality the part of him that scared him And his father um, has said on YouTube that, um, you know, he said uh, God should be the one to punish gays. Like he was trying to say, it doesn't have to be or shouldn't be man who punishes gays, but God. I mean, so the point is, why should anybody be punishing gays? Um, Now, what's interesting too is is, um, Omar's latent homosexuality in terms of his flirting with coming out of the closet. Um, No one, as I said, has yet said they had actually had sex with him. But people have said that he would bump into them at clubs. Um, One man said that he asked if he was gay, and that if he was gay, he he was my kind of man. He was saying, you know, you would be my kind of man. he supposedly went into gay chat rooms and dating apps. There's certainly a man who said that he would talk with him in a, on, a gating, on a dating app. A gating app. There we go. <laughs> uh, a dating app, a gay dating app um, for a year. And um, so, you know, these were all signs of his inner struggle. What's also interesting, as with many terrorists, um, There's this idea of wanting notoriety. So, Omar, during the attack, uh, made 911 calls, pledging his allegiance to ISIS, you know, wanting to make sure he is known as um, doing this for ISIS. He also left Facebook messages to say that. um, He also called a TV newsroom and said, I did it for ISIS, I did it for the Islamic State. And it's interesting how, um, yes, of course, terrorists want to be known, want to be martyrs, and want to be known as doing it for the Islamic State and doing it for, you know, um, on behalf of terrorism and attacking America and so on. But it's almost like um, he, the, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. Uh, You know, in other words, not wanting to say that it had anything to do with homosexuality or his homosexuality, but um, that I did this for ISIS. So, again, let's go to the, um, you know, I know what you're thinking also about, about if we didn't, maybe we should have more gun control. We shouldn't sell automatic weapons. We shouldn't sell guns. There should just be a clampdown on selling guns. Uh, because this is scary. And I used to be for gun control because I'm an anti-media violence activist. I, I, for years, and um, I try, have tried to teach people that media violence, I mean, you know, there have been incredibly um, an, an incredible amount of studies showing that media violence causes people to become more aggressive. So I was for more gun control. But ever since Obama got into office, I've changed my mind. I now see, you know, there's the idea that um, with the Constitution, you know, Amer- America, the Second Amendment, and so on, and that was to protect America's freedoms. And I thought, well, you know, we don't need to, our government would always protect us, and we don't need to have arms ourselves. And yes, the more people who have guns, the more people who die, especially when there are children in the house. Um, There have been studies that show that it's more likely that a child will get killed uh, than that the person will need it for for criminals, you know, for thieves and so on. Um, But now I see with Obama getting into office that we may well need to have guns to protect ourselves against our own government, not only terrorists and not only uh, criminals, you know, robbers who come to our house or other kinds of criminals, so I, am, I, am, I don't believe in gun control now, but I do believe that we need to have terrorists um, on a watch list just like uh, Omar was not. Uh, I mean, he had been investigated by the FBI twice, twice, and now there's a story that comes out that the gun store told the FBI that there was a man who came in there not only looking for guns but also asking about body armor, which they didn't sell, and so on, and they warned, they they picked up that there was something wrong with him, that there was something that was gonna go down. But um, they called the FBI, supposedly the problem was that they didn't know uh, Omar Mateen's name, and the uh, video that they had in the store was too grainy to um, show who it was, you know? (laughs) I think we need to fix the videos in gun stores, hello? Um, but anyhow, the FBI investigated Omar twice for things he was saying to his, to his co-workers, uh, showing that he was a terrorist sympathizer, and, um, and his, friend, his contact with, with known terrorists, uh, an American who went to the Middle East and uh, was a suicide bomber, and so on. And yet, they closed the investigations, and they didn't put him on any watch list, and that was how he was able to get guns. And, um, uh, you know, what needs to happen is that when, when, the, when the FBI investigates people for, uh, for a question of terrorism, and there's enough um, reason to do these investigations, they should be put on a terrorist watch list that should be sent to airports and airplane companies, and airlines, and uh, gun stores, gun uh, any pla- places that people can buy guns, and of course, security jobs. Like, duh, do, do I really need to be saying this? And I'm sure you're thinking the same thing, That is, this is like so self-evident. Why do we have to be um, telling the FBI this? And if we do have to tell the FBI, how safe are we? Anybody, I mean, the things that caused the FBI to investigate him to begin with were serious enough, those things that we know. And the killer is, so to speak, the killer is that the FBI has said that they wouldn't do anything differently. Really? So what does that mean, that more terrorists are going to to escape their investigations, the investigations are going to be closed, and they're not going to be put on terrorist watch lists, and they're going to be allowed to buy guns, allowed to fly? allowed to have security jobs I I mean this this is just absurd and it shouldn't be you know um, I was I've been talking about Omar being fighting with his latent homosexuality and all that but that should not take away from the fact that this was a terrorist act Uh, it was just a disturbed terrorist Um, you know, fighting with himself about his homosexuality, but it was still a terrorist act, and the FBI was the one who was supposed to be protecting us. So um, we need to make the FBI um, more, uh, take these things more seriously. You can do things like writing to your congressman, speaking out, writing online, uh, writing to the media, um, calling into the media, and, and most of all, be very conscious with elections coming up. I mean, thank goodness it's an election year. And um, as I have said in a previous podcast, you need the number one issue on the ballot that you should be thinking of when you make your choices uh, in the election is who is going to protect you the most from terrorism. Because that, yes, there are other issues, there are other things you might not agree with, and yes, it is Trump who will protect you the most, and there are other things that you might not agree with that he says, or you might not agree with his personality, but, you know, we need to think of being protected by terrorism first. Now, um, here's the Ask the Terrorist Therapist part of the show where I answer your emails and questions. And Billy writes, I am gay and I am devastated at what happened at Pulse and I'm scared that now I'm a target. This will inspire lone terrorists to target gays. What do you think? Well, Billy, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but there are, you know, there's such a thing as copycat crimes. People copycat things they see in the movies or on television. In general, I'm not talking about gays, gay crimes in particular, but just in general, people are inspired um, by what they see to commit similar kinds of crimes. Um, like Natural Born Killers. And that movie inspired couples to go across America and and have serial killings. Um, but, so yes, you know, there is that risk and it is probably likely, well, we had the guy in California who was found in, in Santa Monica with an arsenal of weapons and he said he was going to the Gay Pride um, Parade. And now there have been varying reports as to whether he said he was going to harm anyone during the parade, but, um, but he was, we do know he was planning to go to the parade and he did have an arsenal of weapons. So that in itself, um, it w- was scary. Um, so yes, there might be that, you know, that might give some, um, terrorists the idea since, you know, uh, that is not allowed, um, being gay is not allowed uh, in the Muslim religion and particularly with um, Islamic extremists. So yes, it might give people the idea. But um, but that doesn't mean that you should stop uh, you know, doing what you would normally enjoy. Um, and uh, what you can do, however, is to work towards there being better acceptance of homosexuality in general so that muslim families and other families don't make it so difficult to be gay so again i want to uh, implore you to make sure that the FBI doesn't let people slip through the cracks we need to insist upon uh, them doing a better job of keeping these people who they investigate on their terror watch list yes everybody you know we have the people who say oh well just because you were investigated doesn't mean that you should be on a watch list forever you know what if the investigation finds that you did nothing wrong or that you're not really a terrorist well you know um I guess that's That's where the FBI needs to do a better job of um, erring on the side of caution. And um, maybe not everybody that they investigate should be on the list, but I would think the majority. It's the same thing that happened to the Sarnev brothers. Um, The uh, the FBI investigated them and let them slip through the cracks as well. So, you know, and then the psychiatrist um, who committed a a terrorist attack, it it still boggles my mind that his supervisors allowed him to get through and didn't realize that he was uh, a danger to society. So please, um, make your voice heard and make sure that the FBI doesn't let people slip through the cracks. I'm your terrorist therapist asking you to try to um, make sure that this doesn't happen, that the FBI doesn't let people slip through the cracks and trying to help you by putting another aspect of terrorism on my couch and um, analyzing it, taking the monster out from under the bed and calming your, (laughs) well, I'd like to say calming your fears, calming your fears by analyzing it, letting you feel more in control of what's going on by doing something that each one of us can do something to fight terror.